At the heart of every good story is conflict, or so they say. But the start of a good story doesn't always begin with one. Yin is a photographer we worked with at our old office. And after being strangers for a few years, we got back in touch. In the catch-up that followed, we learned of his recent trip where a step off the beaten path led to a special reunion of his own. Uh, it's up in these beers. Yeah. <laughs> we invited Yin to the office one evening, cracked open some beers, and I asked how the trip came about. Uh, so basically just um, in December, right before New Year, I decided to take just a, a couple weeks to do a backpacking trip in uh, China. So I went from Hong Kong all the way to Shanghai and then back, just taking the train. Yeah, just taking the trains. Um, and on the last, on the last day, just as like a, you know, on a whim, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just gonna, cause I was saying like in our family, there's just, there's been this myth, right? This legend of our ancestral Tou family village, which nobody even knows if it exists anymore because um, basically our family has not been in touch with our ancestral home village for over, well, since the 1950s. So yeah, my, my parents don't know about it. Like my parents, like siblings, none of them know anything about our village. Wow. And uh, we weren't sure why. It's just always been like a mystery among us, amongst us. Yin is referring to his ancestral village. These villages are how many Chinese people get their last names and are sometimes named after the clans that founded them. As you might expect, almost everyone who lives there has the same last name. And fortunately for Yin, whose last name is To, his village was named Dou Okchun, which literally translates to To family village. If you zoom in a couple of times, you can find it on Google Maps at least. If you do that, you'll find the village tucked away inside a town called Wang Niu Dun, which is inside Dongguan City, which is in Guangdong province in southern China. But because the village is basically several geographic layers deep, finding it on foot in an environment still largely foreign to Yin was going to be easier said than done, especially when he had no point of reference. I had no idea. I literally went with zero, zero preconceptions. Wow. Like I just took the train to, was it uh, Donggun or Mongodun? Yeah, to Donggun. I just basically asked all these bus drivers, like, do you know anything about a Tou family village? And like one, like point me in one direction, another would point me in a different direction. So it was like a huge wild goose chase. Despite having used the greater part of the day searching, Yin came up empty handed. Thankfully, the locals were friendly and willing to lend a hand. I was lucky enough to run into this uh, old, like a uh, old lady, basically she was like 60, 70, I guess. And uh, she heard me speaking to the, one of the bus drivers and his lady was like, oh yeah, I, I think I know of this village. Like, aren't they the sugarcane farmers? And I was like, uh, maybe. <laughs> so she was like, oh, well, follow me young man. And then I just like followed her. And then she took me to this like, in the middle of nowhere and I got off and there was this big ass rock that said, family village, Douokchun. It was like super cool. I was like, wow, the legends are not true. <laughs> the large engraved boulder that doubles as the village's signpost is a recent replacement. It was a reminder that Yin had found what he was looking for, but also a sign of how far the village had advanced. So from the rock to the village, I guess it was like a five minute walk. Yeah, but uh, what surprised me actually was that I guess I've got this stereotypical vision in my mind that a family village is going to be super old school and just, you know, ancient. But uh, it was actually quite modern. So there was this big ass rock, which I guess that's the most, you know, old school thing you got there. But the rest of the street was like uh, paved. Uh, there was a school on one side and it was lined on both sides with uh, trees. It was like all these tiny little alleyways and everything. 
the town did revolve around the main river, though. I guess back in the day, it had played more of an important role. Yeah, yeah. Now it's just uh, now it's just there. But <laughs> there's houses on both sides, and uh, there's bridges going over it. And yeah, dude, actually sandpan across. But nowadays, you just you know everyone's got mopeds and stuff. For many of us that grew up in or live in the city, we often romanticize the countryside as idyllic escapes, a way for us to get back to the simple life. But as Yin found. Any village in China's prosperous Pearl River Delta region, even his, was going to be touched by progress. Well, to be honest, for me, it kind of broke the spell a bit. I was like, I wanted to be like back in my ancestral home village, you know, uh, with like, you know, old school like donkey carts and stuff like that. But no, it's not like that anymore, man. It's like there's mopeds, there's smartphones, you know. Everyone's in on this now, um, even even village people. It'd be nice to say the journey ends here, with Yin finding his ancestral village. But the biggest piece of the puzzle had yet to be found: his ancestors. Yin was looking for traces of his grandfather. So basically, it was my grandfather on my dad's side, of course, um, who left our ancestral village uh, after World War II and just before the outbreak of the Cultural Revolution. Yeah, we never knew why he left. He just never told anybody, like in our family, about where he's from, and never took anyone back. Even in an age where digital technology can seemingly put all of recorded history at our fingertips, the most important stories can remain out of reach, sometimes because they're swallowed by history itself. Basically, the Red Guards just came to the came to the village and they burned all the family books, the family trees, and um, and they also actually took the uh, their ashes. Yeah, the Red Guards who were actually just like you know that's. Out with the old and with the new, right? They just literally took all those and turned them into like wax and something like that's like irreplaceable, right? <laughs> so yeah. it's definitely a huge loss. Yin's talking about the Chinese Cultural Revolution, which took place from 1966 to 1976. During this time, one of the goals of the Communist Party was to bring about the end of the Four Olds. These were the old customs, old culture. Old habits and old ideas that were allegedly stifling the country's modernization. But what happened was they never clearly defined what those old things were. The result was that the Red Guards, a massive paramilitary social movement of students, mobilized and began indiscriminately destroying China's past. This past included the genealogy books that Chinese families used to record their ancestry, which could stretch back hundreds of years. With no documentation or names to work with, Yin had to retrace his family's origins, one distant relative at a time. So anyway, and then、uh, another old lady walked by and said, <laughs> and said,、uh, "Oh, let me take you to the village elders." And then,、uh, yeah, so she brought me to this like super old guy, like ninety something, I assume. Wow. Yeah, like some elder toad, dude, like great 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 grandfather or something. I don't know. But、um, so basically, I spoke with the elder, and I explained to the elder、uh, basically what I just said to you that、um, my grandfather used to live in this village. He left uh, uh, after World War II, and he was like, "Oh, I think I might know who you're talking about." And then.、Uh, Of course, this was in like some strange dialect that I could not understand. So it was like it was a lady、uh, translating for me,、um, and then the lady brought me over to this area of the village where、um, this super old guy—I think he's、uh, 
He's 95 actually. So he's my grandfather's younger brother. Technically cousin, but in Chinese you call it younger brother. Uh, yeah, and he just, it was super, super touching seeing him because he saw me and he was just like, he's got like no teeth, right? You can, he can hardly speak anything. And it's just like, just comes over and gives me a hug. And I was like, whoa, dude, this is like insane, man, right? This guy. As a side note, Chinese people are not known for their hugs. So you could imagine how elated the man was to find a long lost relative given the circumstances. For Yin, it was a meeting that changed his life. He had taken a trip on a whim, took the long winding road, and ended up finding his roots. And as you might expect, he wasn't finished there. I basically went the weekend after because I was so stoked, you know. I was <laughs> yeah, I just went the weekend after again. And uh, that time I stayed two days and one night. Yeah, and I met uh, more of my family. I met these, my two nieces, which I never knew existed, but they're super cute. <laughs> His two nieces, Qingqing and Yingying, are almost 20 years younger than Yin. But it's understandable why it's easier for them to connect when Uncle Yin is as jolly a character as he is. There's just one catch though. They don't really speak the same language. So yeah, that's quite interesting as well because um, it's in Guangdong, right? Which tra tra traditionally speaks Cantonese. But the thing is now, now in this generation, like it's the young kids, basically they're not really learning Cantonese anymore. Like the youngest niece, she's like, uh, I don't know how old, but like really young, right? She's, um, she actually cannot speak uh, Cantonese, but her elder sister, who's like, I guess two years older can speak some Cantonese, but that's you know, just, you know, culture is just changing now. It's kind of, I would say sad because I can't communicate with them anymore, but it's just, yeah, China's really making their Mandarin, like the common language, like how, like how they want it to be. Right. So. As you might be aware, Chinese is actually a group of related dialects spoken by different regions and people. Mandarin is the official Chinese dialect for all of China and Taiwan. But in Guangdong province, or as it's known old school, Canton, Cantonese is the mother tongue of a large part of the population. It's also the main dialect spoken in Hong Kong. But like in Guangdong, a lot of parents have similarly decided not to teach it to their kids in favor of the more influential Mandarin or English. Not being able to speak the same dialect as his nieces and not being able to read or write Chinese either, Yin relied on the next form of communication he knew best. Like basically they would see, like especially the kids, the nieces, they would see the camera and just like have a ton of fun in front of the camera. And then through the camera, I could actually, you know, just get to know them better. As he laid the photographs in front of me, I saw from the pictures he'd taken just how much this trip meant to him and how much it changed him. As he'd learned, his family were sugarcane farmers and had been for generations. Sugarcane being one of the major crops grown in Douokchun. Though sugarcane is popularly known as a sugar crop, in Asia, it's also commonly juiced and served as a refreshing beverage on the street. At home, it's chopped up, boiled, and chewed for a sweet treat. But like most farmers living right next to their crop, let's just say, They'd prefer to keep things simple. So, so the way that we uh, eat our sugarcane in the Toh family village apparently is we eat it raw. So we just yank it up from the ground, uh, take a you know big ass knife and just chop a foot off, and uh, skin it, and then we just bite into it. And uh, it's actually quite hard on the teeth. Uh, I think, like for them, it was no problem. Like even the little my little nieces, right? They're just like you know chewing it. But for me, I took two bites and it was so tough. Like 
yeah, it's just my gums were not handling it. <laughs> Yin might not have been able to appreciate the art of eating raw sugar cane, but he certainly enjoyed the home-cooked meal that followed. Okay, so this photo was actually taken also from the second time I was in the village, and it was just a typical Chinese family dinner. So uh, my grand aunt basically made a feast. It could have, it could have fed like, you know, double the amount of people. And uh, it was really good. Like she just cooked it in her little, you know, old school little kitchen. And uh, yeah, we just all ate together and, you know, watched TV at the same time, just like every other Chinese family. Other than going on vacation together, food is perhaps the most fundamental and you could say only means by which Chinese families bond. Although a TV commonly fills the silence at most family dinners, we're constantly pouring tea for each other and serving each other food with chopsticks, especially picking the choice pieces for elders. It's basic acts of kindness like these that when repeated, become the stitches that hold a family together, even once separated by distance, language, and time. During our chat, we mused about fate and what it's like to find out your current life happened because of a few key events or decisions. I'd asked how things might have turned out if he didn't grow up in Canada. And while it was nice to play what if, Yin went to his village looking for the truth. Specifically, what happened to his grandpa. So this is my grandfather's uh, younger cousin, uh, who's actually a younger brother of the really old gentleman that you saw earlier. Um, but the interesting story about him is that, well, what I concluded is that he's actually the reason why my grandfather left the village because um, you know how family arguments go. Like they had this huge, basically just family feud. So my grandpa, my grandfather just left and just never came back. And yeah, and I think, I don't know. I mean, when he saw me actually, when this, well, what do you call him? My grand uncle something. <laughs> uh, when he saw me, I think he was quite, it seemed like he wanted to apologize, like in a way. Like he's, I think he was, he's sorry for how, you know, how our lives turned out basically. I mean, I'm, I'm happy I'm Canadian, but I mean, if this guy had never gotten an argument with my grandfather, then, you know, who knows where I'll be right now. Uh, but yeah, now in this photo, he's just looking through his, um, his, uh, his childhood memories, like right there in the uh, picture frame, that's when he was young. I quite like this photo because seeing just, it's just, to me, it's quite sad, this photo, you know, you see, you see him when he was in his prime, when he was like, you know, in his thirties. And now you look at him and he's just, there's a bit of melancholy to it, you know? <laughs> Life. <laughs> Listening to Yin, you get a sense that he's found both solace in discovering the truth and gratitude because of the timing. In reconnecting when he did, Yin not only became an unwitting biographer for his family, the next generation of Toes found a role model and an uncle. I just think that I was quite fortunate to be able to, to be able to find my you know roots, my hometown when I did, because I think in maybe you know several years or like definitely within the next generation, it's not going to be the same anymore. You know, like I don't think kids these days will actually you know stay in these villages, right? They'll all go to the cities, and you know no one's going to maintain the traditions and the sugar caning. So, wow. using a combination of voice messages and Google Translate. Yin's found ways to communicate with his nieces, who he hopes to show around Hong Kong someday. And who knows, maybe he'll even teach them a few tricks with the camera. I cannot even express how happy I was 
when I left that village, I was just all smiles for like the entire train ride home. It was just, it was just such, <laughs> you can't describe this experience really. I mean, maybe one day if, you know, um, someone else were to find their, really find their roots, you know, just completely unintentionally. I think that's the main reason why I was so happy. It's because I did not know this actually existed, you know? <laughs>